Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Hello and welcome to World Weekly from the Financial Times. I'm Gideon Rachman. Today we're looking at Zimbabwe, which has just held elections for both Parliament and the Presidency, the first such polls since the fall of Robert Mugabe. Joining me on the line from the Zimbabwean capital, Hirari, is our Africa editor, David Pilling, and here in the studio is our former Southern Africa bureau chief, Andrew England. David, first of all, do we yet have a result? We're speaking on Wednesday afternoon, Zimbabwe and London time. We have a result of the parliamentary elections, but not yet of the presidential elections. So according to the election commission, ZANU-PF, the ruling party, has won a majority, in fact, a two-thirds majority in parliament, which would suggest that Emerson Manangagwa is cruising to a victory in presidential elections. However, it's important to note that the opposition is not accepting results. They're saying that they're fake, that they're fraud, that the election commission uh, is not... Um, acting uh, independently and is in the pocket of ZANU-PF. So we're definitely in a situation where, um, A, we don't have the results yet declared, but B, the results that have not yet been declared are already being disputed and contested. Yeah, and Andrew, that's obviously a very worrying outlook because people inside and outside Zimbabwe hope that at the least this would be a smooth election in which all sides accepted the result. But the future of Zimbabwe must look fairly uncertain now. Yeah, absolutely, Gideon. I mean, one of the important things to remember about this election, it's the first election since Robert Mugabe was ousted in a coup in November. And Mugabe had basically controlled Zimbabwe since independence in 1980 with his ZANU-PF party. And although it is very much an internal coup with his replacement, Emerson Manangagwa, being a long-time Mugabe ally and ZANU-PF veteran, there was some hope that uh, Manangagwa would be pragmatic, that this was a chance to move on to a new era. And if there was at least a peaceful and an election with some semblance of credibility, that this would unlock donor aid, uh, investment into a country which has seen its economy collapse over the last uh, 20 years. The question now, we're hearing reports of you know protests on the streets, soldiers beating people on the streets. Uh, obviously, as David said, the opposition claims of fraud. So this now looks like it could be a tarnished process. And if that is the case, it's very hard to see... Um, international donors in the West re-engaging uh, with Zimbabwe and providing the desperately needed investment and aids it, it needs to rebuild a shattered economy. And David, I mean, you've been there during the elections. How easy is it to assess these opposition claims of fraud? It's not easy, particularly. I mean, I think it's quite clear. And in fact, some of the observers have already stated this fairly bluntly, that there have been practices that ZANU-PF have employed in the past, which have been employed in this election too. So, for example, registration of votes seems to have been easier to do in the countryside than in the cities where opposition support is greater. Emerson Manangagwa's name appeared at the top, conveniently, of the second column in the ballot, where only one column should have been printed. 2,000 of the uh, 9,000-odd polling stations did not appear to release results 
immediately. So there are various question marks um, over the process. However, and there is an important however, these um, um, elections have been conducted in an atmosphere that's very different from the past in a pretty open atmosphere thus far. So you've had the opposition campaigning in ZANU-PF strongholds. You've had pretty much freedom of speech, although it's also important to note that the state media has certainly biased very heavily towards ZANU-PF, both in coverage and in tone. So it's been a very mixed bag. I don't think we could conclude that this is a fair election. I don't think either we could conclude that it's been egregiously stolen. And I think that is the judgment that the international community will have to make, in a sense, when the dust settles. Um, Would ZANU-PF have won if this had been entirely fair? Or have they really just pinched this election? Are we dealing with a legitimate government or an illegitimate one? And that, I think, is both a pragmatic and a political question that the international community will now have to face up to. David, I mean, I guess the legitimacy question, as you say, is key. But another question is, to what extent is Zimbabwe now on a new path? Obviously, everyone got very excited when Mugabe fell. But many people have pointed out that Manangagwa was his right-hand man for many years, was in a key position at the time of the worst human rights abuses in Zimbabwe in the 80s. Is it realistic to expect, in the light of that and of the election, that Zimbabwe really might set off on a a new path in which it's actually better governed? Well, I think it's possible. I mean, it is true, absolutely, that Manangagwa was not only um, by the side of Robert Mugabe for 40 years, but to some extent he was his henchman. He was the the kind of the fiercer side of ZANU-PF, which is a pretty fierce outfit. Um, But people and circumstances change pragmatically it's perfectly possible to see Manangagwa charting a new course because the old course had really led to the ruin of the Zimbabwean economy, its isolation, its pariah status. Um, And a practical man, not necessarily one who'd had, you know, a moral change of heart, but a practical man could decide that actually that is not in the best interest of our country, of our government, um, of myself, and that it would be better to repair relations uh, with the international community, to get a debt restructured, which might not actually cost Zimbabwe anything, but would just mean sort of political concessions, and to get investment flowing back into the country. All of that would make Zimbabwe potentially a better place, a better off place with a less disgruntled population, and perhaps a a country where ZANU-PF could continue to uh, stay in power through progressively legitimate elections. That's a kind of Goldilocks scenario. But it's not impossible to see uh, Menangagwa charting such a course, really for his own preservation. So given that, Andrew, that the hope of uh, a better-governed Zimbabwe, or slightly more humane Zimbabwe, appears not to be lost, uh, even if there are question marks over the election, how are you guessing the international community will play this? Well, I think it depends, and I think that there'll be different perspectives from different parts of the world. I think in the region, the key factor is a stable Zimbabwe to stop the flow of Zimbabweans into neighbouring countries, particularly South Africa, where they add a burden to already struggling economies. So as we've seen in the past, South Africa is the main power, and it's been accused of taking a softly, softly approach to Zimbabwe just in the interests of stability. I think in the West, there has already been some drive to help Zimbabwe deal with its arrears, particularly the IMF and the World Bank and the African Development Bank, which is key to 
uh, Zimbabwe being able to re-engage with the Bretton Woods institutions, getting new support packages, which would then give it the political cover to start attracting uh, foreign investment. And even prior to Mugabe's ouster, you know, Western diplomats were talking about Manangagwa being a pragmatist they could do business with. I think the Americans, on the other hand, take a much stronger approach towards Zimbabwe and might be much less likely to say, OK, you know, we've had an election, Manangagwa won, let's re-engage, let's prevent this crisis getting any worse, which is kind of the pragmatic approach of some of the Europeans. So again, the, the US has a big sway at the IMF. So that is critical. Dealing with the arrears, getting the IMF and the World Bank back on side, I think will be key to a lot of this. China has played a big role in supporting the Mugabe uh, regime previously, but even they were fed up with uncertainty around succession, which has obviously been cleared up since the coup, but also policies like indigenization and the currency situation. Now, Manangagwa has made the right noises about indigenization, which is a policy where Zimbabweans are supposed to have the majority ownership in uh, all companies. And he's made the right noises about land reform, which is one of the biggest issues of the 2000s. The question, I think, goes back to the elections, what happens in the aftermath of the results, whether there is violence, whether it's seen to be rigged, and whether the West can be seen to engaging with the new government if the election process is tarnished by violence and allegations of fraud. And David, before we go into that and the opposition's uh, possible reaction to all this, give us a picture of the parlous state of the economy, which makes them need some sort of outside help. I mean, I must say, as a first-time visitor uh, earlier this year, I was struck by what I suppose is you know, well known to, to people like you who go there a lot, that the absence of a national currency, the fact that uh, they're still using the dollar and there are not many dollars around, which must make it very, very hard to, to have a functioning economy. Well, that is right. I mean, this was once a strong economy and now it's an economy on its knees. The Zimbabwean dollar was scrapped 10 years ago after probably the worst bout of hyperinflation the world has ever seen, where eggs cost trillions of dollars. So the Zimbabwean dollar is just worth nothing. So now, as you say, the U.S. dollar is king, but there are only U.S. dollars in circulation to the extent that Zimbabwe can earn them through exports. Um, The central bank has um, taken the measure of putting electronic money in people's bank accounts. But this is really a sophisticated form of printing money and can really only lead to another bout of inflation, maybe even hyperinflation, if that continues. So for Zimbabwe to get money flowing into the country to get dollars into the country and into the reserves, not even necessarily to back a new currency, but just to get money flowing around the economy is absolutely crucial. This is an economy where 6% of the workforce has an official job, where when you ask people what they do, they either say they're unemployed or they're a trader selling goods to other people who are also unemployed or traders. And this is really an economy of very well-educated people, very entrepreneurial people that is down on its knees where the only option for people who don't have a government job, who have ambition, is to leave and take a gamble in South Africa or in Europe or America. This is the sort of economy that whoever takes over is going to have to deal with. And an extraordinary atmosphere then in which to have to hold an election. And if the opposition genuinely feel they have been cheated and with the economy in in such bad shape, it would require extraordinary self-control on their part to just then get on with it and accept the result. I think that's right. I mean, I think we're right in the kind of the storm at the moment. So I think um, things might become clearer 
uh, in a week or two. Uh, you know, I've covered many African elections and there is always a feeling that whoever's won has cheated. I think, as I said, it is clear that this has not been a level playing field and these elections have not been fair, but there may not have necessarily been an egregious stealing of the poll. Now, if that begins to emerge as a picture, it's possible that some of this will die down. It's even possible that Menengagwa will offer a position to some of the opposition leaders up to and including Nelson Chamisa, the presidential candidate, a position in the cabinet. Now, whether he accepts it or not is quite another matter, even if it were offered. But you can see how even from what now seems an irreconcilable position where one side is crying foul and the other side is moving ahead towards what it considers a victory, even from this, you could see uh, they could salvage something and move forward. But really, we're in the eye of the storm, and it's quite hard to uh, to predict how this is going to play out in the next few days and weeks. Well, we'll keep watching then. Uh, but for the moment, thank you very much indeed to David Pilling in Harare, to Andrew England here in the studio in London. That's it for this week. Until next week, goodbye.